the first time a live procedure has been done on a co-host. Um, so I'm kind of excited about that. And really it's not just the scalp, it's collagen, protein, subcutaneous health, vascularity, all that goes into hair whiskers. And the good news is all that goes into most of what we do. We're talking about something that affects almost everyone. I mean, 80% of all men over 70 have noticeable hair loss. Over 50% of women are in that same category and they get more diffuse thinning. But when you talk about just generalized hair loss, it's a concern for a great majority of the population. We're not talking about one procedure that makes you grow hair. We're talking about, it's just like everything in our clinic. If we get your body functioning the way it's supposed to, you'll have better hair. It's just aging and the skin isn't as good a quality as it was. You don't have as good a collagen and you're lacking a little bit of protein. And we can help with all that. We reestablish normal angiogenic function of your scalp and you're gonna maintain hair. Welcome to the Zero Downside Podcast with Dr. Wade McKenna, sponsored by MoabTexas.com. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Zero Downside. I'm Hannah Dunning here with Dr. McKenna and we have a very special um, guest and feature today. We are actually going to be doing live injections on one of our hosts. And I'm gonna go ahead, let Dr. McKenna introduce himself and introduce our makeup we have here. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the good part about this is Hannah already told me less than 10 minutes ago, I don't know how to introduce myself. Um, so we're gonna have to figure that out. But um, I do think that we, and, and we checked with the producer, I do think we're setting real news podcast history with the first time a live procedure has been done on a co-host. Um, so I'm kind of excited about that. Of course, Mike is ultimately the most worried about when does he get to put the memo? <laughs> um, which that's the one question he has now asked about 10 times. And every time he asks it, I become a little more enamored with how funny I think it is. So if I break out in laughter when Mike starts panicking over, are we getting the numbing cream done quick enough for him to have his injections? You'll understand why. So we'll go ahead and let um, Ashley and Mike introduce themselves while they are set up over there. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Nurse Ashley, uh, and we're very thankful to have her here. It's, it's amazing the conversations we have in the office where all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, tomorrow you're gonna be coming with us live on set to do an injection on camera. So uh, we always appreciate the, um, the grace with which you, you help us out with, with our crazy endeavors, whether it's doing M-Sculpt and injections on Dr. McKenna Live or uh, being videoed for it or doing, a, again, an injection live on air. So I am Michael Mitchell. Thank you again for watching. Uh, please remember to like, subscribe, and comment, even if uh, the, the content is a little out of the ordinary with live studio injections. Um, but we are excited. All righty. While Mike gets all numbed up, I think me and Dr. McKenna are going to discuss a little bit of what we're going to be doing. Which I, w is... I would give you a little bit. I do think that, that the science behind what we're doing today matters. Um, there's, there's nothing from a, a cosmetic, uh, wellness, regenerative um, type of procedures we do that doesn't have really solid science. One of the things that frustrated me the most doing a deep dive on the science between behind hair restoration, especially when there's a lot of really good non-Western medicine opinions out there. 
is they still feel so connected emotionally to every study has to be some double blind study from, you know, out of Harvard or something. And I, and I think that there's a lot of great science papers um, published on the science behind hair restoration as far as angiogenesis, um, follicular health, the, the follicular, the, the follicular um, stem cell within the follicle for, for hair. Um, I think that a lot of the basic science literature around, especially with, the, with what we're talking about, because we're talking about a combination, and I've been warned about five times um, to not just talk only about our little proprietary way of doing things, because I think it's crucially important that we have developed this technique to maximize the results based on combining the basic science of microneedling, peptide therapy, biologics for the restoration and function of the scalp. And really it's not just the scalp, it's collagen, protein, subcutaneous health, vascularity, all that goes into hair restoration. And the good news is all that goes into most of what we do, whether it's tendon, whether it's scalp, whether it's sexual wellness, most of sexual wellness is about angiogenesis. Um, and most of sexual wellness and hair, that's where things get a little crosswise from a science perspective, is everyone worries about their testosterone causing hair loss with DHT and they go on DHT blockers and there's a lot of sexual side effects on Western medicine's treatment for hair restoration. And even a lot of the guys with really big presence on, on, on podcasts that, that talk about wellness and regenerative and health, they're still really focused on what Western medicine has an option for them. And there's a lot of Western medicine options like minoxidil and finasteride. And there's some great studies on finasteride talking about the, the, the sexual complications of inability to attain and maintain sexual function. And it can approach, you know, more than 15%. That's significant. And there's some studies 84% of the men were unaffected. That means a significant portion were. And even after stopping the finasteride, it, you may continue to have that side effect for up to four years. And so I think that- So is this most providers like go to? Yeah, I like think that the big, our only competition with the restoration of, of hair uh, is either surgery, um, hair transplant, which, you know, you lose a significant amount of follicles and what you're paying for is not necessarily what you're gonna get. There's a 20 to 30% loss of follicular health. Um, I do think that minoxidil, the problem with minoxidil is you're gonna go into the, the you're gonna lose a lot of that. So it's one of those decisions you make that if you're gonna on minoxidil for hair, um, there's great studies showing it helped. But those studies also show that you have to use it every day. And when you stop using it, you're gonna shed. And when you lose a lot of the gains that you made, those aren't necessarily the, you're gonna get a lot of that back. And so I think that that third phase of hair, uh, when we talk about the three phases of hair growth, I think that third phase that, that the only way to keep that is daily use of minoxidil. So when you make that commitment, 
you're committing to once or twice a day. And I don't know how many people have ever tried to, one of the things I can't get past is how hard people work to try to have hair, but then don't care how it looks. Like minoxidil can be pretty hard to style your hair where you look like you're gonna go out when you've coated your head in, in you know, minoxidil. And there's a couple of different formulas out there that may not be as oily or as greasy as some of the others. But, it's, and even with finasteride, like we made the joke earlier and I have to reword it because we were, um, but if, if an asteroid destroys your sexual function, who cares if you have hair, yeah. right? Like, I mean, so we've got like, this long list of yeah. There's a there's a long the list of downsides to what traditional and there's a really good minoxidil paper published from like 2013, um, it, it comparing microneedling and minoxidil to just minoxidil, and the microneedling augmentation with that was dramatically better. Like, there's not. There should not be a question 10 years after that study was published that microneedling should be an important part of your hair restoration journey. If you're just even trying to maintain and not lose more, a lot of it is it needs to be centered on how to manipulate the scalp to have the best possible vascular health. And microneedling needs to be an important part of that. And it isn't in our clinic with the treatment protocols that we have, it's, it's, and there's some good studies published again, going back to like 2000, you know, five and 10 years ago, showing that even with PRP, it was really an every four week kind of cycle um, and for three treatments. And then you may retreat after that, for, you may retreat quarterly after the first year um, to just maintain kind of what you have and stay out of that third phase of hair loss. And, and I really, um, I mean, the science behind the health and wellness from a medical perspective of, of hair and scalp is trichology, right? And so there's a great journal, the Journal of Trichology, um, which makes a lot of sense because I'm, even doing the deep dive and what everyone's talking about, about hair restoration, people don't use that word very often. And it's, a you know, I'm, I'm, I like using the right word. Yeah. Um, and, and so the science behind hair restoration or the maintenance of health uh, for the scalp is, is trichology. And for us, it starts and ends with angiogenesis, but having healthy looking hair and also, you know, the restoration of, there's a lot of other things you can do that, are, that make this work better. Like there's some great studies published that if you have, if, if you don't have decent zinc, it's really hard to grow hair. Um, and when people lose hair, a lot of it's associated with the fact that they don't, they have very low zinc in their system. And so a little bit of zinc can make a big difference. The right shampoo makes a big difference. There's a lot of chemicals in shampoos that actually cause hair loss. And, and we have an entire list of that at our clinic that we provide patients with on staying away from parabens and sulfates and formaldehyde. Um, and just those are the three big ones probably, but there's a list of like 20 that you need to be careful when you buy shampoo. And there's a lot of shampoos that are fortified with, you know, with collagen and protein. All that. You know, keratin, hair is keratin, but there's a better way to establish keratin health and collagen reformation with peptide therapy. That again has been published since the early 90s. The first peptide use for hair restoration, uh, the first rat study I found was like 93. Right. And, and, and it's a it's a copper peptide that we use commonly. Um, and I think that because we combine that in our procedure and that's what you're going to see today is a combination of the biologics, which would be 
compare, and there's some good papers out there on exosome therapy and bone marrow aspirate concentrate and PRP. If for this purpose, we're going to call it the use of the biologics uh, because I think that the, there's good PRP data. We all know that I'm, I feel very intimately connected to, to the beginning in PRP. We use a lot of it. I think that we've kind of moved past that. I think that just like your hair and your scalp health gets damaged as you get older, uh, and, I, and I don't like the term telegenic effluvium and all that, the, the loss of your hair. I think we, we want to call it androgenic alopecia, which just means it's generalized hair loss as you get older. And especially in the age of COVID, you get a lot of questions about COVID hair loss. I think that we're talking about something that affects almost everyone. I mean, 80% of all men over 70 have noticeable hair loss. Over 50% of women are in that same category and they get more diffuse thinning. But when you talk about just generalized hair loss, it's a concern for a great majority of the population. And it's a lot easier to keep it before you lose it than it is to restore it after it's gone. And so I think that you know, if you notice a lot of hair in the shower, when you take a shower, you need to change shampoos at the beginning. Like you need to be on a little zinc supplements. You need to make sure you have, obesity is associated with hair loss, right? So we can help you with that. Like lower your body mass index. You increase your amount of protein. If you don't have enough protein, guess what that caused? Brittle hair, unhealthy scalp. Like there's a lot that goes into growing hair. It's very multifactorial. That's the thing I hated most about it when we started doing it. But when you do the deep dive and try to help people be healthier versions of you, which is, I think, why we askew most of what Western medicine has for you when it comes to hair loss with minoxidil and, and finasteride. I think that, I mean, when you look at this, especially with finasteride, when you look at you know, breast cancer in men, um, testicular cancer, um, increasing in prostate cancer, I, I think that there's really good reasons to stay away from that when you still have options. And our goal is to give patients options for hair restoration outside of what Big Pharma would have as your go-to. So you would say, like, you could still get your hair back without all these sacrifices of other healthy yeah. parts about you. Yeah, not only that, and you get to maintain color. Like, I think that, and we just noticed not too long ago, when, you're, when you look at me now, if you go back and look at the podcast in the beginning, my hair on top was the same color as the hair on the sides. It was, it was white. all white. It was white, white. And what Ashley hasn't done, when we, we've injected me three times total. Um, what we haven't done is inject the sides. So when you get better scalp health and, and get hair restoration, it comes in darker. It comes in more your natural color. And so a lot of the color restoration of my hair is not because I'm doing anything. We, that that's not anyone that knows me knows I haven't taken any step like that that would take me actually looking in a mirror. Um, we injected me a couple times, and the hair on top is darker than it is on the sides, and it's way different than when we first started the podcast um, because of the biologics and the use of copper peptides and 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 overall losing weight, um, adding protein to my diet, being on a little zinc, doing an IV nutritional therapy. All that's come into play. And then the use of the biologics has kind of finished everything off. And so I think that we're not talking about one procedure that makes you go hair. We're talking about, it's just like everything in our clinic. If we get your body functioning the way it's supposed to, you'll have better hair. Right? It'll be less brittle. It'll come in thicker. It'll be more your natural color. It will be fuller. And so our goal is just make you a better, healthier you. right? And for the scalp, it's exactly the same science as it is for a tendon, a ligament, 
a joint, a disc, all the different things we've treated for a long period of time with stem cell therapy, the, the cosmetic uses for it are easier because the science is, is just as physiologic as it is in the restoration of blood supply to a tendon. So that's my short little rant, but it really is a very multifactorial problem. I think when people come to us for hair restoration, they're, they, they want it to just be, oh, you give this one shot and, and that makes all your hair go back. And that's just not how it is, right? Like if you're, you know, Mike talks a lot about, well, DHT and you know, testosterone blockers and all that. I, there's not any great study that shows your serum testosterone level is directly re responsible for the DHT level in your hair and you're gonna lose. Now, I do think it's a delicate balance between overall muscle mass and having a decent testosterone level, being able to sleep, recover from a workout, feeling better, um, and maintaining muscle mass, being able to heal. I think that hormone function is really important. And I do think that people that have a 1200 testosterone or trying to be super physiologic have a lot more difficulty maintaining hair. But I don't think it's, it's, it's an unsolvable issue. And you can do both. You just have to try to not mess everything up by muddying the waters with using the shampoos that have a bunch of chemicals killing in your hair and by being obese and by having a super high, t I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, but that, that's a misnomer to think that just because you're on testosterone supplementation, you're gonna go bald. It's just not true. Um, when your testosterone is naturally at its highest, you have your best hair. And so the wellness, the way to turn back the hands of time on aging is about being overall healthier. And that's kind of the purpose of, of a lot of the hormone replacement therapy too. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Does that make sense? Thousand percent, yes. <laughs> All right, so now the cool part, um, we have Ashley, and I'm gonna kind of walk through, do we get your numbing cream on? Oh, it, oh I got it. All right, guys. <laughs> I think we're so, about to Again, I think this. it's important to know that. Ashley's done these injections on me three times, and so I did the four-week thing. Um, and we never combined all of them until this last time, because uh, we've been hunting and pecking a little bit with me um, because we've been doing the, the hair injections with PRP and, and uh, peptide therapy for a long time, but we haven't been able to combine some of the microneedling processes and some of that until, until over, more in the last year or two than previous. And so I think that now um, we have a much more pieced together scientific approach um, that's on all the different fronts that I can make you better. And so when I did it, I might not have used any numbing cream because I wanted to know, right? Like I wanted to know how bad is it? Like if someone's complaining about something, I wanted to know how it felt. So we didn't, I didn't use numbing cream or cold spray, um, both of which we're gonna use for Mike uh, because we don't uh, want any, any, you know, crying and running out of the room. Um, but I, I don't might. think it's a bad Maybe procedure. we'll catch that line. Maybe we might get more views. Uh, maybe, hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that Going too. viral over your tears, I love it. Now, if, <laughs> if, if we do get a tear, Andrew, I want you to make sure that you zoom in on it. If it, if it crosses that, that right cheek as it comes down, I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't think that it's a 31 gauge needle. We um, also have patients that come in that choose not to numb because they're in a hurry and they just want to get their hair injected and they know it takes a matter of a couple minutes and they don't want to spend the 20 minutes waiting numbing. So they have, you know, if it's on their lunch break or whatever, yeah. That's totally an option and it's doable. For sure. Um, I, we've proven that. Um, and I wouldn't say that if I didn't know that to be a fact. 
um, because I don't do that. Because you've done it. I've done it. Like <laughs> I, I would never say, oh, this doesn't hurt. If I hadn't done it and knew that it wasn't that bad, big a deal. Um, but we would never put a patient through that unless they choose to do it that way. Like if you gotta, if you wanna get your hair, doing the hair injections takes a few minutes. It takes 20 minutes to get the numbing cream and let it set and do this. And I don't, it's not a crucial part of the process. We don't use any local anesthetics in the scalp because that kills all of the biologics that we're trying to strive for. So when people start talking about ring block and all these different ways of doing these injections, there is no safe local anesthetic around the biologics that doesn't, that isn't catabolic. It destroys the nature of the proteins that we're trying to get to help you generate healthier tissue that grows better hair. So we don't do any local anesthetics injected into the scalp. We do use a, a numbing cream that makes a huge difference for people. Though. Topically. All right, Mike, are you ready? Let's go. All right. Um, I'm going to kind of be able to kind of watch um, and kind of walk through the process because I don't want Ashley having to talk through it um, while she's trying to focus on someone who's near and dear to me. Um, so we're going to take, you want to put that in your shoulder? There you go. It's a little difficult on positioning sometimes. Uh, now in the office, we have a, a, an aesthetics chair uh, that we couldn't bring with us because it's like a thousand pounds. Um, so uh, while Mike is in really good shape, I don't think he wanted to carry that up here. I wasn't going to carry that. <laughs> so, but in the aesthetics chair, we just kind of lay you back and it's a lot easier to get the, the crown of your, of your head. This is easy to get where, where most people are worried about, right? With um, angiogenic um, hair loss as we get older or generalized thinning, which is the most of what we're talking about. Um, COVID, um, not being 19 anymore, um, stress. Look, there's, stress is, again, stress kills everything, right? And so a lot of times just helping you be in better shape. but. For us, this is going to be about trying to make Mike's scalp do what the rest of him you've worked so hard to do, which is cold spray. you know overall health. So Mike's areas of concern is um, on the sides of the the front of his head, and then also he just got kind of like a mohawk strip that he's noticing that it's thinning, and then also on the back the of his scalp. Yep. Which is exactly what we're talking about with that. That number that we talk about of, of you know, more than 80% of men over 70, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's talking about the thinning and kind of receding of the hairline and loss on the crown. What you don't want is, you know, the old David Letterman look where these two receding areas meet and you just have this little island of hair up front. There you go. It's not bad, right? We're this good. is Mike's first time. This is Mike's first time to ever have a scalp injected. I've had shoulder and knee, or excuse me, shoulder and toe, and you toe. did my knee previously a long time ago. This is the copper peptide. This is peptide. the peptide first. And, you, I mean, we're trying not to just, you know, out all of our procedures, but I think anyone that is versed in peptide administration understands that the fact that it's blue um, probably means it's a copper peptide. We aren't going to do the microneedling part of that today. Um, it's a little, a little more invasive, um, and it would have made us. You know, it makes your scalp a little bit more bloody. But by using the peptide therapy combined with the biologics, which is the 
amniotic version of what we'll call PRP today because it's really based on, you know, just as we talked about how as you get older, your hair doesn't do well, neither does your PRP, right? So when you talk about your optimal function of your blood as a, as, as a biologics, it's really before your, I won't say our age because I'm 20 years older than you, but um, before you start losing your hair, your PRP is way better than when you need it most. And so the amniotic version of the biologics we use is designed after what PRP would look like if you were about 15 years old. If I could take Mike's blood back when he was 15 and save it for now, then we would use that. Um, but I think that the process of spinning down PRP and the cost of that kit is usually more than the amniotic version of that would be. And you get way more bang for your buck because what I can't do after 40 is tell you exactly what's in your PRP every time. I can tell you that the way we process it and the machines we use and the centrifuge and the kits we use, because we are pulling 60 cc's of blood, because we are doing a three cycle spin, I can tell you it's the best PRP I could get from you, but I can't tell you what your quality of your PRP is every time. And your the lab to do that would be thousands of dollars. And by the time we got the lab back, your PRP wouldn't be any good. So I think that this little cheat that we've started a lot more of as this product has been developed, because this product didn't exist two years ago, um, has made this process a lot more dependable. Um, so the quality over quantity of the of what you're getting of PRP and of course the younger technically age of right. it, which is sounds like yeah, I mean the all the, the quality of the tissue graft you're injecting is absolutely relative to the result you're going to get. Now a lot of it is mechanical stimulation, right? I mean micro needling when when you increase the vascularity of the scalp, and again even compared against just minoxidil by itself, micro needling patients did way better on every scale that they measured in that study. That's a decade old. Like that should not, we should not still, there's so many things that I keep saying we should not still be having this conversation. It's, you know, it's like just the conversation about the amnion product we're using. I should not have to say it's ethically sourced from donated tissue, healthy mommy, healthy baby, healthy membrane. We shouldn't still be having to have that conversation, but we do. And, and I do think that as the quality of the tissue graft has been made more affordable, that you get a much more dependable result with the graft we're using now than with the graft I would have used two years ago. And certainly with what we would have get using your own PRP. Now we will still do your PRP sometimes for this procedure, but more to give me more volume, especially if you have right. a big zone of lot. You don't really have, you have some thinning. You don't have some big alopecia area where you got some big bare spot. Um, we are, treating you to restore an area that you're getting thin. As far as volume goes, what's the big you're aid great for volume? Way. You're almost done. Yeah. Done. Oh yeah, no worries. Is that it? All done. No, she's nice. fantastic. She's so, a rock star. See, and you look more ready for work now than you would after you use minoxidil, <laughs> right? Less greasy. And, um, so with minoxidil, I wanted to ask you, and I'm, we're doing an interview while I'm laying on a table, but um, with that, is that something that you have to do? You can't stop. Yeah. So if once you, you start, stop, you keep going. you're going to lose what you got okay. um, and, and you'll shed. And so it's one of those things. It's a commitment. I can't commit to doing anything every day. It's, it's like... I've been very open in the last episode. I was very open and honest and said, am I elite at doing the injectable peptides every day? No. 
Am I elite at always staying in carnivore? No, mostly. Um, but minoxidil, you can't be mostly. If you're mostly, you're going to lose and shed and go back and forth. And in, like with finasteride, it's three-month commitment before you're going to see any difference for most people. And I'm just not willing to wait three months and then start having breast tenderness and, 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 and failure from a sexual wellness standpoint. And we, I mean, again, I don't need hair if, if everything else in my body is not working better. Uh, I want to be just healthy. I'd like to be healthy now that I'm not, you know, a metabolic fat broken turd anymore. <laughs> um, I'd rather, I'd rather look a little better now. And I didn't care before. Yeah. But the GHKCU for collagen and skin restoration and angiogenesis is dramatic. And I have done that. And there's a lot of things that make hair grow. I mean, there's good studies on oxytocin. There's good studies on mel melatonin. There's good studies on melanotan too. There's great studies on copper peptides. There's great studies on the biologics. I think the way we can proprietarily combine all that is really unique because we're using all of the best science from all the best different fields that as a physician, I can combine into a tailored treatment for a patient. And you're pretty much done bleeding. So awesome. Without risking as much, it seems Ashley's like. Ashley's awesome. Oh, without this, certainly, I mean, <laughs> we go back to that zero downside, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you guys tease me about it all the time. But what do you think the downside of what just happened to Mike is compared to being on finasteride for three months? and? having a statistically significant difference in your cancer risk. You're not taking yeah. away anything. Uh, oh, by the way, this is not a yeah. daily commitment to look like you have greasy hair, yeah. right? Um, and minoxidil is. Even, even, God, even the guy out there that I really like that has a big podcast and a big audience, he focuses, all his hair restoration stuff is all focused on Western medicine options. Ketoconazole shampoos. Is that a great idea for everyone? No, it's an antifungal. Like it's great if you have a fungus. Do I think that's necessarily the go-to for hair? No. I think that staying away from shampoos that have a lot of parabens and sulfates and formaldehyde, I think that's really important. But do I think that you need a medicated shampoo to keep from losing your hair? No. Do I think it's even the best idea to have a prescription version of a shampoo to maintain your hair? No. Do I, because I think that an antifungal should be used if you have a fungal infection. Now, if you have really bad shedding of your scalp, if you got really bad dermatitis and you got really bad eczema, yes, you don't have that. And most people with hair loss don't. It's just aging and the skin isn't as good a quality as it was. And you don't have as good a collagen and you lack in a little bit of protein. And we can help with all that. We reestablish normal angiogenic function of your scalp and you're going to maintain hair. One thing I've noticed working in the clinic and, and once we started the hair restoration was the amount of women that don't have as many options as men do. Men, one of the options, the most popular ones, is to get your head shaved. So they'd go in, they'd shave all my hair off, they'd do the hair plug transfers. That's not really Well, we'll talk about, and look, and with finasteride, a woman doesn't even need to touch it. Right. Right? Like, you, a woman shouldn't even handle finasteride if they're pregnant, for sure. Right? Feminization of the fetus is, is, is well published. So I think that finasteride is really not an option for women. I think that minoxidil is a serious commitment to not, most women spend a lot more time on their hair to not have it look greasy and soiled by a medication. And, and a daily, again, I don't want a daily commitment to many things in my life, let alone a, med, a prescription medication. 
And I, I'm just not a big fan because I think there's other options. Now, would I be, who knows if I got, if I was losing my locks, would I be, would I venture into that? Only if everything else had failed that didn't have a downside, right? When we talk about downside, I want to exhaust everything that was easy and worked before I would venture down a, a route that has some significant side effects that I would like to avoid, especially on the sexual wellness side. Right? I mean, when you look at most of the medications out or hydrostatic hypotension, I mean, minoxidil was developed as a blood pressure medicine, right? Um, I, I, I just don't think that you necessarily have to take a lot of those steps when it comes to restoring normal biologic function. And some of the guys out there that I think of as very outside of Western medicine are still counting on all the Western medicine options to accomplish their goal. And it's a little frustrating sometimes when they should really look at cell therapy, peptide therapy, protein, diet. It, that's the best way for normal health, not some big pharma solution where you take medicines every day. So for people that are watching, what would the first step be, right? If they were listening, if they're watching online and they think, okay, I've got a little bit of thinning hair, I'd like to make some improvements. What are the first things they can do? Just those intermediate steps. Look, I think that the first thing you look at is get the bottle of your shampoo and read the back label, which you're gonna have to get a magnifying glass if you're 60 uh, or a big reading lamp um, because it's, there's so many, right? If, you're, if, if the label on your shampoo is this long, and especially if it's cheap, like if you're using a cheap shampoo and, you're, and, you, and there's a lot of hair in your shower every day, first thing you need to do is maybe look at that, right? Um, and I think a consult in the clinic is pretty easy. We can give you a list of the chemicals you wanna avoid. Um, we can talk about body mass. We can talk about hormone function. We can talk about a little zinc. We can talk about health and wellness. But really when it comes down to, can you just inject me and go? The answer is sure, right? but let's try to cheat in the direction that stands a chance at getting you the best results. Look, there's a lot of times with, especially when we're using bone marrow and the actual stem cells from the cord, some of the more expensive products out there, there's a lot of people it's kind of one and done, like do it once and see where you're at at about eight, 12 weeks and maybe do it again. With the process we have now and what's published with the PRP stuff, it was every four weeks, that paper's 10 years old and the patients that had it done three times did way better than patients that had it done two. And that was published a decade ago. So I think that, that every four weeks to make sure you get all three cycles of hair growth is important. Can but you I go over the analogy? I think it's really important for patients, um, the analogy that you give about seeding the yard, like basically revascularizing the, the tissue and like how we feel when we inject the adhesions. You, you can feel the subcutaneous I could hear them. and, and yeah. scar. And you can feel where it feels good and healthy. And you can feel where it feels gritty, right? And, and when you're the injector, it's a very much by feel and, and the way I think of it, and, and I don't know if I've said this probably in the past, but the greatest, especially as a poor kid, like that, that grew up doing a lot of yard work, um, a lot of summers spent trying to, to, to put yards in for people. Um, we, if someone, the biggest show of wealth I ever saw was when I moved into Southlake and I saw someone put an entire yard in one day. They took a pallet of sod and they just sodded the whole yard. I was. I never even thought that could be done. I don't know what part of me didn't know. Because when I was a kid, we took a thing of sod, we cut it in little pieces, and we sprigged it, right? Like you put holes about six to 12 inches apart, depending on how much sod you had, and you would plant all that, and I hope it all kind of grows together. That's exactly what we're doing 
with restoration of the blood supply and the follicular health in the scalp. The hair follicular stem cell, HFSC, that cell concentration around the follicle, restoring angiogenesis to that, they, 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 they acquiesce, but they don't go away. And we can bring them back to life, just like a dead spot in the yard. You don't have to just dig everything up. You can kind of sprig the yard, put some seed down. And I think that, especially when you're talking about a dead space in the yard and, and that feedback that you get from the needle, when it's gritty and avascular and kind of scarred in, you can feel the resistance change. You can, and you can watch it kind of break loose. And it's very gratifying to know. And, and, and as the injector, you know, you kind of concentrate a little bit more around that area until it feels more natural to the next injection. And so we literally do go a lot by feel rather than just what it looks like. We don't just put some, but we are trying to sprig the yard, right? You want those, the follicles to come back. And, and the hair follicles are unique in that a really healthy hair follicle has three to five, three to four fibers. You go from three to four, down to two, down to one, down to nothing. And it's not uncommon after the first injection if you just did one and, and, and we're waiting eight to 12 weeks to see before you did the other. It's not uncommon to watch ones become twos and threes very quickly. And the new hair you get seems to be more your natural color. And, and that's pretty well published. And I just never noticed it until we were talking about doing this episode. And I was watching last week's podcast because I, just, I felt so vulnerable just talking and trying to be honest with people. Um, instead of, I was tried to be more genuine with just me talking instead of focusing on science and, and hiding behind the science and technology. And that made me a little bit hypercritical. But the thing I noticed most at first, I was like, wow, my, my hair's darker, right? And on the sides, it's not because we haven't injected the sides. But I don't mind that. I didn't do it to have darker hair. I did it to not lose my hair. Um, and I feel, I think that that analogy is really important. But that's how hair health goes, right? One follicle with three to four strands is much fuller and healthier than one follicle with one strand especially as you kind of get a bare area. But that feedback about vascularity and resistance is really important. Yeah, I could certainly hear it and feel it in the corners. It's kind of crunchy. Area right? in the back. Yeah, it was crunchy. It was painless. I mean, truly, it felt like she was just prodding me with a toothpick. Mike was worried. So about I, the I will tell you, when I did Mike's shoulder, we did it in, live in the clinic under C-arm and, and would die. And it's not a comfortable injection to have because you can't put any local anesthetic where I'm putting the cells. But he did it completely awake. Um, when I did the toe, so hallux rigidus or turf toe or degenerative arthritis of the basal, the, that first toe, the, the metatarsal phalangeal joint is really, really common. And hallux rigidus with an injection, those patients do really well. But when that's a really small joint and it's really resistant to the injection. And when you get that needle in, that was that was one of those times where you know Mike's not sissy because he literally sets up and he grabs my shoulder and he goes, you have my complete and full attention. Um, he didn't move, but it's really uncomfortable. It's one of those injections I can't do to myself. I can pretty much inject me anywhere. I have not been able to tolerate the volume of cells that I would need to take care of my problem in that big toe yet. Um, that one I felt. This one was was a lunchtime injection. 
it, it really did not feel uncomfortable. And what was unique from this side of it for the first time is I could actually tell where Ashley felt the problem areas due to the grittiness, right? Because she went back and revisited them with the very last syringe. So she and you can get an that's the reason where you combine the peptides and the biologics, right? The peptides cheap ish, the biologics are not. And so when you do the peptide therapy first, you get much better feel for where is that zone of problem with resistance and it lets you focus a little bit more with the tissue graph. And so I think, you know, we've discussed a lot, what's the order and what do you do first and what, what's next? I think that microneedling is an important part of this. I don't think Mike's to that point. Um, so we were gonna do this live instead of sitting here and making everyone watch Ashley microneedle Mike sculpt for 10 minutes. Um, because it's a couple minutes on the injection side. But you did great. You can wash your hair after this. Um, any yeah, that's the other thing. Everyone yeah. wants, what can I do after? Yeah. What do I have to do? You know what? W what do you normally do? But now, if, if you're using paraben, sulfate, formaldehyde, pantene, maybe not do what you normally do. Um, biotin formulas and get your protein concentrate, all that up. But can I wash my hair? Does it kill all the cells? No. Um, I do think if we microneedle cellular volume in, which is what we used to do with BRP, we'd spray it on your scalp and microneedle through it. Now, I think the subcutaneous injection is way more efficacious and way more focused. Uh, and I think microneedling first and then doing that, by the time you bathe and shower that night before you go out, you're not going to run the microneedling. Uh, those pores are going to be there. We've already accomplished our goal. It's the long, it's, it's the three to six week um reaction of the body to the microneedling not what not creating that pore and that day you fill in the pore with something that's not that's not how it works in the scalp awesome makes sense thanks yeah. for being our dummy <laughs> actually our patient model you've never been a dummy but you make an incredible patient model and mike has never been afraid to let us film a needle going in, even though he didn't have any idea how this was going to feel. No, so I was absolutely. interested to see, like, I knew I was not ever going to cry in front of Ashley. So when I had her do me the first time with nothing, you know, I was surprised that it really wasn't that big a deal. No, like I thought it, it was going to bother. It wasn't near as bad. Like I've seen some guys, you know, squirm around. And so I was like, oh, I don't know, but I want to do it. But after she, I was like, this is no brainer for me. Yeah. Uh, but I was interested to see with you not knowing yet what it was going to feel like. I don't know that I would have let my first time been on camera, especially in front of me. Which and area was the most tender for you? Uh, the corners up top and okay. then the very back. Yeah, I think the scalp as you get forward. The ones in the crown, I didn't really feel. Yeah, like if you have a widow's peak or something like that in those the, corners, that area. Trying to bring sensitive. the hairline down. Yeah. And I actually have an, a, 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 a progressing hairline now instead of a regressing hairline. Mm -hmm. And I think the ones right around that front hairline were, were a little tender for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's where I felt the most grittiness. So. Hopefully, um, you, there's, if there's any big questions out there, any, any, hopefully there's some comments and questions we can address. Um, certainly the best way to have that done is with a consult in the office. Um, it, obviously, you just, everyone just watch Ashley do this and understands it's kind of a five-minute procedure. Now, when you do the microneedling, I think it adds about 10 minutes to that procedure, right? So, but other than that. Alrighty, guys. I hope that you learned a bunch. You had um, fun and entertainment here along with us and that you actually learned the other options that you have when it comes to hair loss and you don't have to sacrifice so many things that big pharma or traditional medicine throws at you. Don't sacrifice biologic integrity yeah. for hair when hair is part of your biologic integrity.
right? Being more whole and healthy is a healthy head of hair for most people, not genetically for everybody, right? But why sacrifice your health for something that there's healthier alternatives to that work better? And certainly before I ever left this realm of treatment, I would have to have known this wasn't an option and didn't help, right? I, again, before we sign off, do you have anything to say? I don't. Mike, you did good. Thanks, you did great. I just want to tell everyone thank you so much for your your kindness, the comments we've gotten, the feedback we've gotten in the clinic, for your trust to continue in your healthcare, and for as we go through this, taking what we've done for the severely injured patients and turning it into for the walking wounded. Um, I, I just genuinely appreciate the, the trust and support we've gotten from all of our patients. So thank you. And see you next time.